Happy Friday, and welcome to a new episode of This Week in Apps, a weekly no-fluff data-first roundup of interesting news and trends about mobile apps and games. This is Ariel from Math Figures, and I have five highlights for you today. And we'll start with the big controversy this week, and that revolved around Didi, a Chinese company that's just like Uber. The company IPO'd in the U.S. last week, raising $4.4 billion, that's billion with a B, from investors in a supersized IPO, only to get slapped by Chinese regulators and have the app removed from the App Store in China immediately. Although Didi operates in several countries, China makes up the majority of downloads on the App Store. Since launching the app in 2018, Didi's ride-hailing app was downloaded more than 102 million times, 46.5 million of those from China. Although Didi's downloads suffered early into the pandemic, they've come up since. It's not fully back to normal, but it's not that far off. So what? Why is this important? It's important because there are a few issues here that are kind of obvious. The first one is that regulators weren't really super specific about why Didi can't be in the App Store anymore. The main thing was data handling, but I couldn't really find what about it wasn't being done right. Then we have timing. The app was pulled from the App Store after investors sunk billions of dollars into the company, almost immediately. That caused the stock to drop, and in China's defense, it's been reported the regulators tried to stop the IPO, but Didi did it anyway. But the timing is still very suspect. Now, is Didi a victim of the turbulent relationship between the U.S. and China? And will the stock recover? Can it recover once it fixes whatever regula regulators didn't like? All of those are good questions. It's very hard to tell. In the meantime, we know one thing. Keep, another Chinese company that planned to IPO in the U.S., has canceled those plans. So one thing is very clear. China doesn't want its companies IPOing in the U.S. What's going to happen in the future? I don't really know, but this is one very important case that we'll have to keep an eye on to see what the future could look like. Next up is Getter. Last week, I had a quick look at Getter, a new social media app that vows to protect free speech from ex-Trump spokesperson Jason Miller. Now, it's been some news covered it as an app from Trump himself, but I'm pretty sure that's not the case based on all the news that I saw. It's possible that's what's happening under the hood and no one knows about it, but um, from what I've seen, this has nothing to do with him. And, and that's kind of important to, I think, the evolution of this app, which is why I bring it up. Now, the app launched last Thursday and quickly rose to the top of the U.S. chart, peaking at number 11 within about 24 hours, so last Friday. It's since sunk to 91, where it was yesterday when I looked at it. But a week in now, we have a better understanding of just how much demand there is for Getter and where it's coming from. Between the app's official release, which was last Thursday, and its announcement, which happened on the 4th of July and Tuesday of this week, Getter was downloaded by more than 946,000 people via the App Store and Google Play globally, according to our estimates. That's almost a million people. By today, it's probably a million. And that aligns with numbers that the company put out earlier in the week. With the downloads also came headaches. The week was pretty rough for Getter. Lots of spam, scrapers, and a hacking attempt are making it very hard for the company to focus on growth. The real question that I have is, will it stick? And the answer is, it's too early to tell. If you remember, my point last week was that if it's run as a business venture, the key to its success would be helping creators monetize. If it isn't, then all bets are off and Twitter is in for a ride and also probably Getter. Now, some of you wrote back last week and shared different views, but I still stand by my analysis for a simple reason. Even if Getter is being bankrolled by someone with deep pockets who wants to make a political point and that's it, the app does not operate in a vacuum. It still operates in the same world where Twitter operates and Facebook and other apps where you can um, share your thoughts. So things that are necessary to operate it, like security and moderation, are going to be required as well. And those aren't cheap and to attract the right talent, they have to be run as a company. 
at some point those deep pockets might close or might shrink and Getter will have to figure out what to do with its future. I think also to grow, it will have to behave like Twitter and like other companies and not just as a political point. So I think they're going to have to spend some time or at least investigate or explore that. The one thing is we know that it can take some time. Twitter took a long time before it started monetizing. Facebook took a long time before it started monetizing. So Getter has a bunch of runway. But I still believe it's something that needs to happen if Getter is to become a mainstream media channel. Next up is another IPO that's happening now, and that's Nextdoor, an app for neighborhoods to stay connected, which I think is a great idea. If you look at Nextdoor's history, you'll see that their only way forward is really an IPO. They've been around for 10 years. They raised $455 million, which to me suggests that investors believe that there is a case for this becoming a real thing, but also that it hasn't gotten there yet. It still has a lot of work to do before it can become um, sustainable on its own. Now, they have raised six rounds of VC. That's an F round, which was their latest, if you count. And let's see what that gave them. Our estimates show that Nextdoor was downloaded 33 million times across the App Store and Google Play since 2017. 2019 was a mega year for the app, adding 9 million downloads, almost a third. And that's up 60% from 2018's total. And the pandemic kept downloads strong with 8.5 million downloads, according to our intelligence. So it's not exactly like 2019, but that was kind of a big year for them. So that's understandable. Now, what's Nextdoor even offering that they could IPO, you ask? Well, they're offering ads. In addition to communicating with neighbors, Nextdoor users can also see local, personal, and general ads. And in context, that's a really great way to advertise hyper-local businesses. If you're thinking local uh, plumber, local electrician, local locksmith, so the kind of companies you would maybe share with your neighbors anyway if they ask you face-to-face. And those companies, unless they had something like Nextdoor to advertise in, would have to either spend a lot of money advertising somewhere else, online possibly, or rely on word of mouth. And so this is probably a really good way for them to put their name out there. It's also a good way for bigger brands, larger brands, to have a sneak peek into smaller local communities where they may not be thinking about these big brands and may not be even expecting to see them there. So I think it's kind of a win-win for everyone. Now, question for any company that IPOs is, can it grow? Seeing as more people rely on their mobile devices and that social media has really gotten us accustomed to messaging, Nextdoor path to continued growth is pretty clear. Not only that, I suspect that we'll be able to see a strong correlation between its downloads and stock price later this year. And that gives us a good proxy to see where it's going. Next up is Clubhouse. I talk about Clubhouse now, I think, almost as much as I did back in January and February was really exploding. But the audio-only social network, and when I say Clubhouse, I mean the audio-only social network, not the project management software, which caused confusion in previous weeks. It has reached a new milestone this week. It's not even a year old, and Clubhouse has been downloaded 30 million times between the App Store and Google Play. Clubhouse's road to 30 million was an interesting one. Looking at our app intelligence, The app had a slow start back in September, but started gaining momentum in December with a daily high of 66,000 downloads, and that was on December 29th. Then, growth continued as celebrities began using the app, and demand peaked again in February, but this time with a global audience and with a daily high of 340,000 downloads, and that was on February 16th. A few months went by, and it felt like Clubhouse was kind of a phase many were getting out of, but then came Android, and that's kind of amazing on its own, on its own. 
because all those numbers, the 340 and the 66, all those came from iOS only because Clubhouse was not available on Android. They went Android in May, a move some consider to have come a little bit too late, but I don't think that's the case. The move not only gave Clubhouse access to a brand new and massive market, but it also re-sparked interest from the App Store side, which looked like it was stagnating after the peak in February. So right after the launch of the Android app, downloads on the iOS App Store spiked to a yet new daily high of 472,000 downloads, and that was on June 6th. On the Android side, since launch, Clubhouse was downloaded nearly 10 million times from Google Play globally, according to our estimates. And that's a big chunk, considering it's only been out for about a month. The bottom line here is that Clubhouse is in a unique position where it's the leader in the market that it really invented. Twitter was the same back, what, 15 years ago, whenever it started? Probably even more. Math does not work now. But it's still the leader in its own in its own industry. Some have come and tried to challenge it. We saw Parler, we saw Getter, and we saw many others before, um, but Twitter is still Twitter. And so Clubhouse can do the same thing. And I think it's putting down those roots that will enable it to eliminate the competition, future competition. And maybe eliminate is kind of a strong word because that's gonna happen anyway. Spotify is trying, Facebook is trying, Twitter is trying. But what it's doing now is going to put it in a position that it will be able to at least fight them off. And I think so far it's doing pretty well. It's beating my expectations, that's for sure. And keeping with tradition, let's end on a high note by looking at a trend that's related to the unlockdown, cruises. The cruise ship industry was big pre-COVID, as we can see from downloads of the largest two, two lines, Carnival and Royal Caribbean. But it was one of the first to get hit by the pandemic, literally, and has been grounded since until very recently. Since the announcement of cruises resuming, downloads have started climbing. So far this year, downloads for both Carnival and Royal Caribbean have quadrupled. Both started the year with about 2,500 new downloads per week, and that number has been climbing slowly as more things started to reopen. And the companies have started to engage customers with the idea of future trips now that it seems more possible. Last week, both apps crossed 9,000 downloads, almost four times higher than January, according to our estimates. That's great news for Carnival, Royal Caribbean, and really anyone who's trying to board a big ship this year because it's been a while since those happened. But there's a lot of sailing to be done before we can get back to pre-COVID downloads. In 2019, just to give you some context, Carnival and Royal Caribbean added an average 50,000 and 35,000 new downloads per week respectively. And so we have a long way to go. What do we need to watch to know what's gonna happen? Well. I think that if the first few cruises manage to leave and come back healthy, meaning no outbreaks or anything like that, then we're going to see that trend climb more steeply. And if that continues to happen as we end the year, I think it's going to be open season on cruises and we'll see a lot more downloads. And we're, we're going to use those downloads as a proxy for how many people are excited about cruises because I think you will download the app in most cases a little bit before you get on a cruise. And so that's going to give us clear visibility into how things are getting back to normal. And that's it for me. I will end this week by saying happy Friday. Thanks for listening. If you liked any of these insights and you want to see them for any other app, your own, competitors, or anything else, head on to appfigures.com slash intelligence and get them for yourself. And that's it for me. See you next week.